So we started this series, and the reason why we started this series is the question came to my mind while I was on vacation is this. Is it possible to be relevant with sacrifice, without sacrificing the truths, the truths of the gospel? Is it possible? And we've been talking over these last couple of weeks, and what is the answer? Hello. Yes, thank you. For, we got one. One, yes. The answer is yes, it is possible. It is possible, but we have, to, we have to do some things. We have to get some things straight. And the first thing we talked about was our identity. For us to be relevant without sacrificing the truths of the gospel, we have to identify with who we really are. We have to know who we really are. And what the Bible tells us is so much different than what the world tells us. And here's the question. Do you identify with the world's way of what they want to define you as, or do you identify with how the Bible identifies you? Well, if you've said yes to Jesus, I hope that you identify with what, the way Jesus describes you. You are his ambassador. You are the salt. You are the light. You are all these, I, all these things. You are his child. You know? How, well, who do you identify with? And then last week we talked about purity. And purity is so much more than just about SEX. It's so much more than that. What I wanted to really talk about was purity of heart last week. Purity of heart. That's way deeper than just a sexual purity, right? And so if, if, if we want to be... If we want to be relevant without sacrificing the truths of the gospel... We've got to have a pure heart. And the way we get that is through the blood of Jesus. And so this week what we're going to talk about is prayer. Prayer. We have to be people of prayer. If you've said yes to Jesus, it is not optional. But I want to be completely like uh, transparent. If you had to grade me on my prayer life, I would have to give myself a C. I'm not that one. I'm not a great prayer. I'm not like, you know, I'm not like a Paul or... I, I, I'm just average. I'm an average prayer. But I want to be better because I know, I know what the Bible has to say about prayer. And the way that we connect with Him is through prayer. You see, prayer is the pipeline of communication between you and Him. It's the pipeline. So some people say, well, I, you know, I don't, I don't ever hear from God. Well, I, I, have, a, I have a thought about that. I have, a, I have a question, really, about that. When was the last time that when you prayed... You didn't use words. You used your ears. You see, because God wants to talk back to you. It's not a one-way street. It's not a one-way communication line. It's a two-way street. It's a communication between you and God. It's kind of like being married, you know? It's kind of like being married. 
If your marriage works like this, where you are the one that always does the talking, how good is your relationship? Probably not very good, is it? Because a good, a good marriage starts with good communication, and communication is two-way. And let me remind you of this. God gave you two ears and one mouth. You should listen twice as much as you talk. Prayer is the pipeline of communication between God and us. So, it's not just all talk, and it's, it's, but it's listening too. So, let's get into this. And we, remember, we've been talking about Daniel. And Daniel was empowered by his pursuit of God through a consistent prayer life. And you're going to see this in just a moment, that he was known as a man of prayer. He was known, and, and he was known as, like, he would do what God told him to do over what any man would tell him what to do. He would choose God over man every single time. So if you want to look in Daniel chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 1. If you want to just look up here or on your listening guide, it's all good. I don't, it doesn't matter where you look. So it says, It pleases Darius, or pleased Darius, to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom. Satraps are these, like, little governor type of people. Uh, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. So Daniel was going to be over these, these satraps. He was, he was their um, boss. He was going to be their boss. And you remember, Daniel was a Jew who had been taken to the Babylonians, and he was trained in the Babylonian way. He was infiltrated into their culture. They taught him the new ways of the Babylonians, and he was so good, and he was so, like, he was like the man. He had it all. Remember we talked about all this? He had it all. So much so that they were going to appoint him to be over these satraps and, the, and uh, over these people. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So Daniel was the man. Like you wanted something done, you went to Daniel. You wanted, you, he, he was so, he was just so good. At ever, you ever meet anybody like that? Like, they're just good at everything, and you're like, you stink, right? You, you, <laughs> he, he's the way, he, he, like, everybody wanted to be like Daniel. Everybody wanted to be like him, because he was so good at everything. He, he had exceptional qualities, so much so that the king was going to set him over the whole kingdom. Like, he became like the guy, Daniel, I'm just going to put you in charge of everything. And Daniel's like, sweet, now, now, here's the deal. How do you think that made everyone else feel? <laughs> That's right. Jealous. That's right. At this point, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. But... <laughs> but they were unable to do so. You see, Daniel was the man. He did everything the right way all the time. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt 
nor negligent. So he was doing things the way things should be done. And he became so trustworthy of the king, the king wanted to put him in charge of the whole kingdom, and this made people jealous. And they wanted to do something about it. Daniel's walk with God led him to incredible favor with the king, which also won him a lot of jealous enemies. So they did something else. Finally, these men said, we will never, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. You see, because he became known as a man of God, he would do what God told him to do over anything else. So even though he was all this trustworthy guy, the only way that we're going to find charges against him is if we figure out how to like twist this thing around so that he does what God told him to do and not what the king told him to do. Okay? This is the plan. They knew they could finally get rid of him by making a law that would go against God, knowing Daniel would obey God first and therefore break the law. So these administrators and satraps went as a group. You know, there's always a group. Why is that? You know, like, I, I've been in churches where there's a group. They always cause oh, so much trouble and just drama. Always a group. Whenever they're jealous of how God is using someone and blessing, blessing them rather than blessing them, it's always a group. Always a group. So this group went to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed. So they all came as a group except for, except for who? Daniel, that's right. And they all agreed. Did they all agree? No, because Daniel wasn't a part of this. But they all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, King Darius, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now this is going to pose a problem for Daniel. Because Daniel was known as a man of prayer. So they've conjured up this idea. They're going to get him. And he's going to have to go into the lion's den. So they, they made this little thing, penalty was the death by lions. Now when Daniel learned, this is so interesting to me. Let's say this was you, before I go on. Let's say this was you. You're Daniel. And you find out about this little trap. What are you going to do? Man, this is tough, right? You want to be a man of God. You want to be a woman of God. You want to do what God tells you to do. And you, you pray a lot. And now this law comes up that you cannot for the next 30 days. What are you going to do? Take a 30-day 30 30 hiatus? Keep you safe? Safe and sound? Because he found out that, the, that, the, that, the, that you break this and you go into the lion's den. Anybody want to go face that? 
I, I didn't think so. I don't want to face that. Is it unfair? Yes, it is unfair. It is unjust. <laughs> what would you do? What would you do? Well, this is what Daniel did. When Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home, upstairs room, where the windows open towards Jerusalem. You catch that now. I want you to catch that part. Windows open. What does that mean? People can see him, right? People can see him. Open room. He got down on his knees three times a day giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. <laughs> what does this mean for Daniel? Off to the lion's den he goes. Because if you're praying three times a day with the windows open for all the world to see, what do you think is going to happen? People are going to see. And who is going to see? The group. <laughs> then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they see him, they catch him. They catch him red-handed. Off to the lion's den he goes. That's the penalty for this. You think they're going to keep this news to themselves? Oh no. They're going straight to Darius. They're going to go straight to him. Be like, guess what, Daniel, do it. You know, your little, your little favorite, teacher's pet. Right? Guess what he's doing? He's praying to God, not to you. Remember your edict? You remember what you said? You remember what you signed? You remember that the, that the breaking of this rule is sending them into the lions? And you remember? He's like, yeah, I remember. And he had to do it. Because he had signed it. Question is, what would you do? <laughs> what would you do? The big idea for today is this. Prayer and Bible reading fuel our relationship with God. It fueled Daniel, and it'll fuel you. Like it gives you what you need to go out into the world. Into the darkness of the sin-filled world that we live in. It gives you the fuel that you need to face the day. It gives you the fuel to face whatever life is throwing at you. And so, when life does throw it at you, you're fueled up. You're ready to go. You're ready to face it. It's not going to beat you down. It's not going to be able to overcome you. Why? Because prayer is the pipeline between you and God. And when you bring God into the situation, it's handled. It's covered. He's got this. It may not be fair what's happening to you, just like to Daniel. I want you to, I want you to realize that too. Just because your relationship with him is right on target 
doesn't mean it's right on target with everybody else. But I want you to also remember this. No matter what life throws at you, it goes through the hand of God. Right? Fair and not fair. It goes through the hand of God. Satan can't do a thing to you without first approaching our Heavenly Father. So, so, this is the big idea and this is what I want to talk about today. But however, i got a question. We're not told, we're not told like, okay, well how do I go about this? Because, you know, prayer is weird and awkward and, you know, like I'm not going to pray out loud. People may hear what I say. I'm not going to, you know, whenever, whenever we're in a group, I'm not going to pray, you pray. I, you know, I, I'm not good at this praying thing, right? Well, I have another little video before I go on to where I'm going to go, and hopefully this will help. Can you play that video for me? Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you, Lord Jesus, for this day, Lord Jesus, and all your wonderful, Lord Jesus, things that you, Lord Jesus, do for us, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord Jesus. <laughs> okay, uh, I just want to thank you for Annie and Sarah and Molly. I know that with your strength we can change the world! We can change the world! Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, and we give you the praise. Yes, Jesus. We <laughs> cannot wait to see what you're going to yeah. do today. And we are excited. Aunt Margaret's really nasty hangnail. And I worship you forever. God, I, uh, I just, uh, <laughs> um, toilet paper, deodorant, <laughs> speaking of, I need to get some more. Hey God, uh, thanks for bringing us here today, thank you for all the stuff that you're going to do in our lives, uh, the way you're going to work, it's absolutely amazing and we are super amped for everything that you hold for us. I just don't know what to say. <laughs> hey God. Man, you're great. Help me find a mate. Amen. <laughs> oh. Salt. Garlic salt. Sea salt. Kosher salt. God, just... Just let your doves of knowledge flow from under our fingernails of repentance. So how do we do this thing called Firewire prayer? Firewire 200. <laughs> how do we do this? Do, <laughs> do, you can be one of them. I, I pictured several of you while those were playing, you know, the... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, I won't tell you who I picture doing what. Anyway, um, how do we go about this thing called prayer? Because it shouldn't be some 
weird thing that, that, that we make it. If it's the pipeline of communication between us and God, how can we go about doing this? Well, Paul gives us the answer to how we go about doing it. And it's found in Colossians chapter 4, and it says this, Devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Now, so the first thing is devote yourselves. So you should pray with persistence. Pray with persistence. What does persistence mean? It means don't give up. Keep praying it. If it hasn't happened, if what you are wanting to happen hasn't happened, keep praying. Like, be a... You ever... So, I got, I got a perfect illustration. You ready? Moms, you'll understand this. You ready? Mom, 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 mom. Everybody, every mom knows about this, right? Every mom knows about this. So you get to like the 45th mom and you're like, what do you want? Right? Do that with God. If it hasn't happened, keep praying it. Until God goes, okay, <laughs> fine, I'll do it. So Luke 18.1 says this, Now he was telling them a parable to show them that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. In other words, keep at it. Keep asking. Luke 11.9 says this, is where we find the promise that says, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. In other words, if it hasn't happened, you keep on knocking on heaven's door. Knock, knock, knocking away. Right? <laughs> you just keep knocking until God answers. Pray with persistence. That's the first thing. George Mueller I don't know who that is, but he says this. It is a common temptation of Satan to make us give up the reading of the Word and prayer when our enjoyment is gone. When we don't feel joy anymore, Satan just says, I'll just give up on that. Don't worry about that. Let it go. Let it go. God's not really going to answer it anyway. God obviously doesn't want you to have this. So just let it go. As if it were of no use to read the Scriptures when you do not enjoy them. And as if it were no use to pray when we have no spirit of prayer. The truth is that in order to enjoy the Word, we ought to continue to read it. And the way to obtain a spirit of prayer is to continue praying. Don't give up. The less we read the Word of God, the less we desire to read it, and the less we pray the less we desire to pray. So keep praying. Keep praying. The way you get better at something is to keep doing it. You know, I tried to teach myself how to play the guitar once. Well, that was a miserable experience because I have absolutely no rhythm. Like none. I can't clap and sing at the same time. So... I got on, you know, on YouTube or whatever, and I was like, okay, teach me how to play the guitar. 
and they said, okay, hold your fingers like this, and it's so unnatural and weird and strum, and, you know, you've got to count one, two, three, and four. I don't know how you count. And, and even Ernie tried to teach me once, and it was a failure too. But listen, if I wanted to really learn what's the key, keep playing. Right? If you want to have a good prayer life, good communication between you and God, and you're not feeling it, keep praying. Keep praying. Pray with persistence. Number two is pray with passion. Pray with passion. Paul tells us to be watchful, or another version uses the word vigilant. So pray with passion. Anybody have any passion? Like everybody's passionate about something, right? Something. Well, take whatever you're passionate about and try to transfer that into prayer. Because so, when you really want something, you're going to be passionate about it. So if you want to have a good relationship with God and it's the pipeline, well, you need to be passionate about it when you pray. This is the opposite of slothfulness. Like where you just kind of lay around like, oh God, uh, you know, you fall asleep, you do all that kind of stuff like in the video. Jesus was pretty passionate in his prayers, was he not? He was pretty passionate. I have a lot of Bible verses here. In Luke 3, 1, at his baptism, while he was praying, the heaven opened up. You want heaven to open up? You want God to hear your prayer and open up the heavens? Pray with passion. Passionate prayer opens up heaven. heaven. In Luke 6.12, before he called his disciples, he spent the whole night in prayer. In other words, like, God, who do you want me to pick? Because this is a pretty important... Uh, this is pretty important. Who's going to follow me? Do I go after the best of the best or I go after people like Peter? Thank God he chose P Peter. Thank goodness he chose like the rift raft. Because now I can get in that same boat. If he would have chosen the best of the best, I'd be out. I'd be out of the out of the mix. But thankfully that's not how Jesus works. But he, he spent all night in prayer. Passionate prayer gives direction. You want direction? Pray. Pray with passion. In Luke 9:29, at his transfiguration, and while he was praying, the appearance of his face became different, and his clothing became white and gleaming. Passionate prayer enables us to experience the glory of the Father. Who doesn't want that? You want to be known as someone different? Pray with passion. I guarantee you people will start to notice because Jesus does something in you when you start to pray different. When you start to pray with passion. In John 17, in his high priestly prayer, passionate prayer impacts the lives of others. So you, the world is going to hell in a handbasket, right? What do we do about it? The first thing we need to be doing about it is praying about it. God, we need to, guys, we need to be praying for people that we know who don't know Jesus. And it should hurt your heart that they don't know Jesus. And if it does hurt your heart, you're going to start to pray with passion for them. And you know what's going to happen over time? Well, I don't know either. But it very well may lead 
them to meeting the Savior of the world. All because you prayed. It impacts the lives of others. In Matthew 26, 39, in the Garden of Gethsemane, it is, the only, it is only through passionate prayer that we can pour out our hearts to God. You know, whenever life is beating you up and you're like down and you, you don't understand things. Jesus was sweating drops of blood. That's pretty passionate. When you don't know what to do, that's the time to get on your knees and pray. Pray. In Luke 23, 24, as He hung on the cross, a life that is lived in passionate prayer will enable us to maintain that spirit even in the most difficult circumstances, just like Daniel. You know why he was able to face the lion's den? Because he was, he, he had, that pipeline was strong. It, it, it enabled us to face those very difficult situations. Passionate prayer lets us do that. People say, I don't know how people can go through that. I know one way. Prayer. Prayer. Jesus always prayed with passion because He knew who it was He was talking to. And He knew that prayer to the Father is a powerful thing and not something to take lightly. He knew not only who he was talking to, but he knew who had the world in his hands. He knew who controlled every single thing. It is not Satan. It is not you. It is not the angels. It is not the demons. It is God, the Father, who controls everything. So you want things to start to turn right, take it before the one who controls it. James 5.16 says this, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. <laughs> pray with passion. You can accomplish much. And pray with thankfulness. Pray with thankfulness. Ephesians 5.20 tells us that thanksgiving is the natural result of being filled with and walking under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Pray with thankfulness. Paul talks about thankfulness all the time. All these passages that I'm about to talk about are from Paul. Philippians 4.6 tells us to be anxious for nothing, but in everything we should pray, giving thanks as we make our petitions known to God. Giving thanks. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 tells us that giving thanks at all times is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. Giving thanks for all things. All things. You know what that means? It means all things. All things that you're going through. Give thanks. Give thanks. Colossians 3.17 says that as believers, everything we say or do should be done in the name of the Lord Jesus as we give thanks to Him. Finally, in 1 Timothy 4.4, it says that food and marriage are good things given to us by God and are to be received with what? Thanksgiving and gratitude. Thanksgiving and gratitude. So pray with thankfulness. And the reason why you do that, the reason why you express gratitude to God, do you, does He know that you're thankful? Yes. Does He know everything? Yes. But He wants to hear it from His kids' lips. Don't you? Don't you? Don't you want to hear thankfulness from your kids? Why? 
Well, why do you want to hear it, even though you, you know that they are? Why do you want to hear it? Why do we make our kids say thank you when someone does something nice for them? Well, it does something to us, right? That's why we tell our kids to do that. So expressing gratitude to God does a couple of things. It articulates dependence. It articulates dependence. We are dependent upon Him for all good things. And He wants us to tell Him thank you. He wants us to express that to our Father. He wants us to. It demonstrates relationship. It demonstrates relationship. When, when someone says something, when someone does something nice to you, we say thank you. Maybe that starts a relationship, I don't know. But it demonstrates relationship to our Father when we express gratitude for the things that He's done for us. It communicate, communicates gratitude, which is a proper attitude. That's why we tell our kids to say it. Because it demonstrates proper attitude. And it generates humility. The way it generates humility is this. You don't deserve anything from God. We are sinful human beings. And you and I do not deserve anything from Him. So when we say thank you to Him, we are humbling ourselves and saying, God, I realize, I realize that I'm not worthy of anything that you have to offer, but I thank you that you do. It generates humility when we express gratitude. It goes on, and he says, And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. And pray that I may pray, proclaim it clearly as I should. Before I say anything else about this, we should be praying that all week long for the team from North Carolina who's coming. Right? We need to be praying that prayer specifically for that team who's coming to proclaim the name of Christ to every camper that comes to the YMCA. That's over two, three hundred kids. And it needs to be proclaimed clearly so they understand. So that they may accept the gift of salvation. We need to be praying that all week long, church. So will you join me in praying that prayer for that team this week? Okay, I'm just going to say that they said yes. So pray making intercession. Intercession means you're praying for somebody, for something. You're interceding for them. This is praying that God's will be done in the lives of other people. <laughs> this is difficult. You know why? Because it's easier to pray for ourselves. <laughs> because when I, when I, if, I, if I show a picture, if I showed a picture of, the, of our whole church, who's the first person you see? Yourself. Yep. It's a lot easier to pray about us than it is for others. 
because we're just naturally selfish. So, but we, we're, we need to pray for other people. Just like Paul said, pray for me as I proclaim Christ. And pray that I make it as clear as possible. So pr- we need to pray that God's will be done in the lives of others. How many of our prayers, how, this is, I just want you to think about this. How many of our prayers are for the expansion of the kingdom? You know, we're really good at praying for Aunt Sue and, you know, for Uncle Bob and everybody, you know, their, their, their ailments. We're really good at that. We're good at making the list and praying through a list. How many of us, I thought this is where I would fail, how many of us pray just specifically for the expansion of the kingdom. Not for, the, not for our church, for the kingdom. That's difficult, right? I mean, we, we want the kingdom to grow. We would like for the kingdom to grow. We would like for people to come to know Him. We want people to do that. When was the last time that you specifically prayed for that? We want the, if we want the kingdom to expand, if we want that, well, dang, shouldn't we be praying for that? We should be. This kind of prayer changes everything. If we want the kingdom to expand, when we start to pray like that, it changes everything. Especially in us because we'll start praying for that and then we'll start to see opportunities to share we'll start to see opportunities to share when we go do the oil change now I want to I'm I'm not very good at this okay when we go do the oil change I'm going to give you a a story when we started the oil change we just did it by ourselves, and we did it at Randy uh, Randy his shop and we used to park the cars along the road. Well, the city came to us, and, we, and, and they said, well, that's illegal. And the reason why the city came to us is because the guy who owned the flower store or whatever, he didn't like all the cars parked along the road. I don't know why. Who cares? Anyway, the city came to us and said, you can't do that anymore. So we were like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? So what did we do? We started partnering with Love House Ministries. Started partnering with Love House Ministries. And I have a lot of Mike-isms in my brain because I worked with Mike for like 12 years. And one of the things Mike used to tell me is, it's amazing what you can do when you don't care who gets the credit. Now the kingdom, the kingdom is a, is a mindset. It doesn't matter where people go to church. It shouldn't matter to us. The kingdom is what matters. So when we go do the oil change, and especially when we're partnering with another church... The kingdom is what matters, not the link. When we did the the um, when Hurricane Matthew came and we went and we partnered with Decibel, one of the things that was really important to me when we met with Decibel, one of the things that they asked is, "Hey, should we take this as an opportunity to to advertise our church?" And I said, "You absolutely can do that, but the link will not do that because for us." 
For me, it is about the kingdom, not about our church. We need to be doing this in Jesus' name, not the name of our church. Okay? So, when, back to the oil change. When we first started partnering with Love House, it was, it was oh gosh, I, it was, I just remember this so plain as day. A lady came to me and she says, Chad, or well she didn't know my name, she isn't it wonderful what Pastor Randy is doing for us? Pastor Randy is the pastor of Love House. We started the oil change. We've been doing it for eight years. I have this thing in me that says, no, it's not nice what Randy's doing. It's nice what we're doing. Right? I have that in me. And then Mike's voice started talking to me. It's amazing what you can do when you don't care who gets the credit. It's about the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. And I'm like, it is wonderful what Pastor Randy's doing for y'all. Right? We need to be praying that the kingdom be expanded. People may come here, they may not. That's not the point. The point is the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. And all these things will be added to you. Be kingdom-minded people, Link Church. So when you go out there and you talk, and you, you say you're a Christian, and they say, oh, where do you go to church? You can tell them where you go to church. That's okay. But it's way more important for me to tell you that I would much rather you talk about Jesus. I'd much rather you talk about what the Lord has done for you. How thankful you are for His involvement in your life. Be kingdom-minded, not link-minded. When you start praying like this, everything changes. So what intercession does it does a couple of things. It internalizes the burden. You see the burden out there, but when you start to pray for the kingdom, Lord, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. You start to internalize the burden that's really out there. Because we can get very blasé about the burden. Let me... Let me reiterate something for you. There's two places where people go. They either go to heaven or they go to hell. One of two options. That burden is real. And that burden is, is heavy. And I want you to remember what the Bible says about that. There's two roads. One is narrow, and few find it. Few. But the road that leads to destruction is very wide, and many find that. The burden is real. We want to try to get as many people off this road that leads to destruction as possible. So when you start to pray and you start to intercede, it internalizes the real burden that's out there.
that people are going to go to heaven or they're going to go to hell, period. And what are you doing about that? Anything? Are you getting people off of this road that leads to destruction? Or are you just like, oh well, that's your choice. You go to hell if you want to. Man, let's not be like that. Let's not be like that. Number two is prayer forces us to wait. <laughs> we want things my way right away. We live in a Burger King world. Right? We want things right, right away. If I prayed it today, it should be done in about ten minutes. <laughs> That's not how that works. Man, you remember about a year and a half ago, about a year and a half ago now, I was trying like crazy to find a lead pastor position. Do you know how many churches contacted me? I'm going to give you a big old hint. It looked like this. Zero. In like six months. And I felt God calling me to be a lead pastor. And I'm very not patient. Right? And I figured, well, if God's leading me to be a lead pastor, why are no doors opening? What the world is that about? Like, let's get to it, God. What are you waiting for? I'm ready to go. <laughs> God's like, nah, we got to let some things happen first. You know, like a burden comes for Mike. You know, we got to get him out the way. <laughs> and so, you know, he needs to go back to North Carolina. I got to get his heart ready for that. So that takes a little bit of work because Mike is a little hard-headed. So here comes that church asking him to come down because they're having problems. And, you know, it's his home church, so he feels some type of way for it. And, well, Mike tried to get him to say no. He, let, he put all this thing, like he said, okay, if I'm going to come back here, then you guys have to do this, 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 and this. No church would ever agree to this. And guess what? They agreed. They agreed. So Mike was like, hmm, that must be something. And then right after that, right after that happened, that's whenever I went to Mike and was like, hey Mike, I feel like God's leading me to be a lead pastor. Now he didn't like go, oh, woohoo, that's awesome. He did not right then, but he did tell me in confidence later that he and Lynn celebrated after I left. Because they knew that they were going to go to North Carolina. Nobody else knew. They knew. And so, I'm sure he was praying like crazy about this church. God, who's going to take over? Is it, is it supposed to be Chad? Is it supposed to be somebody else? Who's going to do it? And here I come. Right? But I didn't know any of this. I didn't know any of this. So I'm super frustrated for months and months and months, and I get nobody calling me. And I don't understand. And then finally, Mike comes to me. He came to me first, and he said, Hey, Chad, I think that the link was supposed to be, it's, it's supposed to be yours. The reason why you're not getting any phone calls from any other churches is because the link is for you. And I said, um, a What? No. No, the link is yours. He goes, no, I'm going back to North Carolina. I said, well, when are we moving? 
<laughs> you know, because Mike has kind of been like my security blanket. I've been working for him and with him for 12 years. And we had a really great relationship. And he's like a mentor. And he's more than, he was just more than my boss. He was one of my best friends ever. And I, I wasn't ready to sever that relationship with him. Even though I was still looking for a church, I don't, I don't know what was going through my head. Anyway, weird. I know. But the, the, here's the deal. It, all this stuff, what I'm trying to say is it forces us to wait on God to work it out. Because who's in control? God is in control. Not you, not me, not anybody else. God is in control. And He's working behind the scenes even when you don't know it. Even in Daniel's case. It wasn't fair he was going to have to be sent to the lion's den, but he's working it all out. He's got to get these lions full or something. So they don't need him. He's working behind the scenes and it forces us to wait on Him to do it. It opens up our spiritual eyes. When we start to intercede for other people, when we see people, we don't just see people. We see a need. And it's a spiritual need. Even if it's hunger. Even if it's thirst. You remember the woman at the well? She was thirsty. And Jesus looked beyond that need into her spiritual life. You see, when you start to intercede for others, you start to see people different. And whenever someone says something to you, you start to prod a little bit. Right? You start to ask a little bit more deeper questions to get to the real need. So then you can intercede for them in a very different kind of way. <laughs> I happened to do this this past week. I, I just I see people and I see I see them on their like on the surface level, right? But you start asking a little bit more questions. It's okay. If they don't want to answer them, they don't have to. But sometimes they will open up. And you can get down into the nitty gritty. And that is where real ministry happens. And whenever that happens, I can't tell you how that makes your heart feel. It feels like you're doing something. You're actually ministering to real people with real needs. And when you start to intercede for people, it opens up your eyes for the spiritual stuff. Number four, it aligns our heart with God's heart. It aligns our heart with God's heart. So when, when you're interceding for people, you want what God wants for them. Right? Not what you want, but what God wants. Not your will be done, but His will be done. That's what you want. So it aligns our heart with God's heart. Number five is it, it, it enables us to move forward. It enables us to move forward. Like we can, we can move forward in our life. We can move forward with them. We can, we, it goes deeper. And it enables us to move forward. So the question I have for you at the end is this. Would people associate you with being a person of prayer like Daniel? If not, why not? Start to do these things. Start to pray like, like Paul tells us to pray. And people will start to pay, take notice.
you will be different because God will be starting to work in you like never before because it is the pipeline between us and Him.